and welcome to Common Talkers, where comics is always the top of our discussion. My name is Brandon. And I'm Mary. And today we continue on with our Spider-Man month, our spectacular, our amazing. We've already went over this. We're not going to go even say about 2099 anymore. We're done with this. Um, anyway, the purpose of this podcast is to do something that we did last month with Flash Month. And we all enjoyed it so much, but with Spider-Man, he has probably one of the best, if not the best, rogues gallery. And one of the largest. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing we go. When you think of villains and villain teams, this comes up on a top five list at all times, maybe even one or two, when you think of the Sinister Six. Now, our goal today is kind of like we did with rogues gallery or our rogues gallery back last month or the rogues when we formed our team um where we're going to make a team there's no rules it's a matter of just making a team um and at the end we'll have one character one character that has never been a spider-man villain or has never been a sinister six member. so we're going to kind of switch things up a little bit here so just to give you guys a little bit of background if you guys don't know who the sinister six is one what's wrong with you Please, please go read comics. I even got Mary to smirk there a little bit. So she, I think she agrees with me on that point. But anyway, they made their first appearance in the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1 back in January of 1964 and were created by Stan Lee and Steve Dicka. This is the, what was it? You would say, huh? This is the first villain team ever in comics. Where actually you... organized villain team 100 percent um because we don't think you see the flash road start organizing until later on and of course batman's rogues gallery isn't really organized <laughs> uh, yeah. anyway <laughs> uh so the purpose not, not saying that as a dig but like it's just they're just not <laughs> oh, the purpose is simple like we said we're going to form our teams we're going to have same characters possibly we might have whole different teams we don't know. It's a matter of we're going to form our team to how we feel would be the best competition or the best fights for Peter Parker to encounter. Um, so I'm going to give the mic over to Mary first. Let's talk about your first member. That's so fair. So I talked to Brandon a little bit about this before we started. Now, usually, and like I did for Flash Month, I gave this big sweeping intro um, about why I picked these characters. And I'm not doing that this time because I'm doing a little personal challenge to Brandon, um, sort of testing his knowledge of these different villains to see if he can figure out why I picked the six characters that I picked. Um, I will, however, say that my goal and Brendan already knows this, is I am basically preying on 616 Peter Parker's empathy in an attempt to disarm him. I've picked six extremely um, powerful, dangerous villains who can all greatly appeal to Peter's empathy and all in the same way. They all share a similar method of being able to appeal to his empathy. And I wanna see if you can figure it out. Now, of course, course i've mentioned in the past my favorite member of the spider-man supporting cast has to be harry osborne so how could i create a sinister six team that is not led by spider-man's best friend and greatest enemy harry osborne is the green goblin <laughs> um of course what better way to appeal and disarm peter than to make him fight his best friend <laughs> <laughs> 
and he's leading this team now this is this is also a point a point i want brandon to note that this is peter's best friend picking people to specifically appeal to peter's empathy i want you to think about that keep that up there um of course if you're not familiar with the green goblin how dare you but um i will explain (laughs) um not so much the backstory but i um will explain more about his powers um so there is the goblin formula um which harry used to have while empowered by the revised goblin serum these were superhuman strength um he can is able to press lift 10 tons so he's evenly matched with peter um he's superhuman speed superhuman stamina superhuman durability, a regenerative healing factor, superhuman agility, and superhuman reflexes. Harry's also a super genius. Um, His intelligence has been enhanced to some unknown level because of the Goblin Serum. It surpasses his own father's intellect, Norman Osborn's, as well as Spider-Man's. He creates this enormously complex, long-term, posthumous plot to ruin the lives and minds of his father and Peter. Okay, Harry is unhinged and I love him. Um, Mephisto thinks Harry is more Machiavellian than himself. (laughs) Mephisto. (laughs) Um, He has the goblin armor, which is corporate chainmail in a tunic, giving him further protection from impacts. he has pumpkin bombs, which I love. He has ones that are incendiary, ones that are filled with smoke and gas, flying razor bats. Um, of course, the goblin glider. Um, he is the natural choice to lead this team. And also, he should just be everyone's favorite Spider-Man supporting cast member, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's a great way to start it. My first member, though, is going to somebody else that most people tend to think that he does go off Peter's emotions because he is somewhat of a sympathetic villain at points. And I mentioned this when we first started talking about this video. I went, this is automatically going on my list as one of my members. It's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains of all time. One of the only Marvel villains to ever make my top five villains of of all time is Doc Ock. Doc Ock to me, or anybody, Dr. Octopus, whatever you want to call him, Superior Spider-Man, whatever you want to say. He's probably one of the most diabolical villains, other than the Green Goblin, to ever screw with Peter Parker. You know, one of my favorite things about him with Peter is that when he does find out his identity, he doesn't believe it. And he goes out to search for the real Spider-Man because he can't be a teenage boy. But he comes to find out it is. Um, one of my favorite stories, and again, it's not the main continuity 616, but I love the video game storyline with him, um, where he is so, like, you feel for his pain. You understand his story. You, it, It's like he's losing his mind in the process of everything else. And it, you just see how it affects Peter. I love Doc Ock. He's diabolical. He's smart. He's ingenious. He, 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 he is, to me, he is the leader. He is the guy who brings the first Sinister Six team together into this team. He is the ultimate, I believe, the first time the Sinister Six forms is because of Doc Ock. 
Now, for his powers and abilities, they're simple. Um, he has cybernetic tentacles, um, which gives him superhuman abilities derived from the four mechanic or mentally controlled electronically powered telescoping prehensible titanium steel tentacles attached to a stainless steel harness. Um, these mechanical arms grant him um, tentacle manipulation, telescoping, superhuman striking force, high wind generation, wall climbing and traveling, um, sensation filling. He also has a gen genius intellect um, with radiation. He's a radiation specialist. He's engineering specialist. He has a high concentration, er, um, which grants or possesses extraordinary mental abilities and concentration. And through years of practice, is able to perform two complex and two simple independent actions simultaneously, one with each arm. This guy can do pretty much anything and everything. He knows Peter's weaknesses. He knows how to attack his abilities. So to me, that would we've seen him best him by himself and switching brains with him as he became the superior Spider-Man. Now, granted, afterwards. You know, he doesn't want that after he realizes all the responsibilities that come with being Spider-Man and all the issues that Peter dealt with. But, and he does try to redeem himself. But then, yeah, we get the Superior or the Superior Octopus storyline, which fans I do not recommend reading. I don't like that storyline. It's kind of stupid. But it's so interesting to see Dr. Octopus and I love his character. I fell in love with him more in the ultimate runs, but not only that, I fell in love with him in the movie Spider-Man two. That was my first introduction to Doc Ock. And I loved his character and loved his concepts. So yeah, Doc Ock's my first member um, on my team. So I'm passing it back over to Mary. So um, this is the one woman on my team and you might know her as Sandra Deal or alternatively as Frances Barrison. Um, I'm, of course, talking about Shriek. Yes. <laughs> yes. Starting to see where I'm going a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. I I'm seeing where you're going with this now. Um, Shriek is a mutant who bears some resemblances to two of my all-time favorite mutants, um, Sean and Teresa Cassidy. Um, she has a sonic beam, which is essentially this sonic scream. She can generate sound waves that she can utilize as blasts. She can fly and damage her enemies. Um, but she also has these other powers. She's also telekinetic. Um, and she has something called dark empathy, where she can bring to light the dark side of those around her. Um, this is especially highlighted during Maximum Carnage, where she used this power to cause New York City to go mad. Um, a lot of a lot of horrible ways, um, which of course, given Peter's history, um, his being responsible for Uncle Ben's death, um, and also just her being on a villain team, um, especially one that is designed to be sympathetic. Um, it has a lot of potential, <laughs> um, especially because we do know that Peter does feel responsible for Harry turning to the darker side. He feels like he didn't do enough. 
okay in a lot of ways um and so her being able to highlight more of harry's darker side with her dark empathy yeah she can hurt peter a lot (laughs) (laughs) and we're only two people in (laughs) oh no um it's gonna be great i he's I, I, I'm going to send Peter Parker to therapy is really what this is. <laughs> wow. It's like, that's your purpose. Oh, I'm going to send Peter to therapy. Oh, doc. I ran he into, needs it. <laughs> I ran into my friend Harry and he's not the same anymore. We didn't share <laughs> pots at the table anymore. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, uh, but I think, I think the more characters I get, the more you're going to start to see the common tie. Um, right now we're only at two um and there's there's a connection between the two of them that the other four don't have right okay so you have a few different options at the moment we'll see okay now again not only did i go with a team that do i think he could beat peter parker i went with some of my favorite villains my next villain is probably one of my other favorite Spider-Man villains. If we ever did a Marvel villain list, he'd probably be up there in my list. It is Sandman. And granted, he is, technically, there's been times where he is a hero, sometimes he's a villain, sometimes he's an anti-hero. There's a lot about him. I'm going straight pure force. I want him to be a villain. And I think I think Doc Ock would be the one that can manipulate him to do it. He's done it before. He'll do it again. Um, for anybody who does not know who Sandman is, again, what's wrong with you? Um, but his name is William Baker. Um, he's created by Stan Lee and Steve Dicka and back in Amazing Spider-Man number four. So he's been part of Spider-Man's story. He's been a thorn in Peter's side since the beginning. And his character development has just been really great and how they develop his character through time. Um, one of my, you know, of course, he's been on other teams, the Frightful Four, but there's a lot that he's been a part of. And it, it's so amazing. And his time with the Sinister Stick is just even better. And when you see him on a Sinister Six team, you're no, you're in for some trouble because he is a very, very, very strong opponent to go up against. Now, for some of his powers and abilities, of course, he's not on the intellect side of things, he's more the brute force side of things. Um, so I'm looking at him as my brute. Um, that's again something better that I have under Doc Ock. Um, now some of his powers and abilities, of course, he has a sand body, um, which is Sandman's body is pretty much an um, um, what was it? It's pretty much just like animated sand. Um, he was part. What was it? It's a best way to. It's, he was part it's of. It's honestly so well done in. the the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man yeah. movies. Um, that's like that was my introduction to Sandman, and honestly, it's my favorite Sandman. Yeah, hands down. Now, kids, when it comes to that movie, that is the only bright side of that movie. Venom was terrible. I will never stop saying that. I hated Venom. I hated him. It should have been somebody else. But again, it, it's like he's an amateur or um amorphous blob of animated sand um he possessed the ability to mold the sand into a shape that appeared to uh, to be an completely human 
and from that form convert his body back into sand at will. So pretty much he's just pure sand now. There's no body, there's no human side to him other than his emotions and everything that's that's of course in his mind. Um he has sand control transferal. He's pretty much immortal because now at this point there's really nothing that could kill him. He, he's sand. He's not gonna even when if you try to capture him, he's not he's just gonna pull it back into sand. Um he has a body conversion to sand, he ha- which grants some superhuman strength, which he is known to lift up to about 85 tons under optimal conditions. Um, density control, shape-shifting, pretty much turned himself into anybody and anything. Sandblast, glass generation, reformation, sand conversion, sand clones, a giant form, and also gains the ability to walk up walls, I guess is a good way to put it. It's really weird. But, of course, some of his weaknesses as water, heat, and, um, yeah, of course, like sand, that's always his weaknesses. But, again, somebody he can manipulate, Doc Ock can, to his will. And I think that's going to be a big factor into this. So, yeah, Sandman is going to be my next member. I'm going to turn it back over to Mary. So, um, there have been a lot of memes made about this character in the last year. Um, not for good reasons. Um, I'm, of course, talking about a doctor who was a early antagonist of Spider-Man. <laughs> um, at the time that he met Spider-Man, Spider-Man had six arms. And he met him at a beach house, which I think is my favorite part about that entire encounter. And he struggles because this is a man who took, of course, the Hippocratic Oath, but now struggles with an insatiable lust for blood and the knowledge that he caused his own current condition while trying to cure another one of his own. I am, of course, talking about Dr. Michael Morbius. Yes. Yes. Um, and now, now Morbius kind of flits back and forth. Um, when he can be, he is a hero. Um, he is quoted as saying, except this vow then, if I must drink blood, let it be the blood of the corrupt, of those who deserve to die, the blood of the guilty. However, insatiable bloodlust. <laughs> um, and he can't always adhere to what he wants. Um, especially around someone like Shriek. Yeah. I don't even want to think about what Morbius would be like around Shriek. Honestly, terrifying to me. Terrifying. Um, he's, he's even bitten Spider-Man before, um, in Beyond Corporation. Um, and one of the really interesting things between Morbius and Spider-Man is that they both think that the other's blood is like a cure for them. So like when Peter has six arms, he thinks that Morbius's blood could be a cure for his condition. And Morbius kind of consistently into this beyond corporation era believes that like Peter's blood could cure his vampirism, um, which is something he really wants. Um, of course, um, Morbius has this kind of naturally sympathetic nature to him because he doesn't want what he is. 
Right. Um, he is constantly fighting his own nature. Um, he is, has been transformed into something similar to a vampire. Um, he's not a real vampire because his transformation was scientific, not mystical. <laughs> um, however, not every writer recognizes that, and then they'll just bring in mysticism. So it's a bit of a gray area. Um, Morbius is Morbius. He has superhuman strength, superhuman speed, superhuman stamina, agility, reflexes, acute senses, um, a regenerative healing factor. He has fangs and claws. Um, his claws are retractable, which I think is kind of cool. <laughs> um, he has psionic gliding, which means he can just fly through mental concentration over short distances, but only at speeds of about 35 miles an hour. <laughs> um, mesmerism. Um, so he can hypnotize others, um, which also in conjunction with Shriek, I think is terrifying. He can also create, turn others into pseudo-vampires like himself. Um, and he has control over those pseudo-vampires. Um, like the thrall situation. Like, think, think Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he has immunity to most vampire vulnerabilities. Um, he is unaffected if confronted with religious icons and will not incinerate if exposed to direct sunlight. Out of being. And he has no special vulnerability to objects or weapons of silver or wooden stakes through his art heart. Although I do think that would just hurt anybody. So um, he does have genius intellect, um, specializing in biochemistry and hematology. And he's able to use his hand in other various scientific disciplines, which would make him and Harry horrifying combination. Um, he is formidable in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and he has to ingest fresh blood several times a week in order to maintain his physical and mental vitality. The longer he goes without blood, the weaker he becomes, and the more likely he is to lose control. Of course, this lends him to becoming more mad the harder time he has collecting the guilty. And yeah. he's also just so unstable. This is not a team of mental stability. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's um, not I'm not going to lie. You you got me with the, the for your first two picks. Now you're throwing me off a little bit with Morbius. Like, Morbius, Morbius is a little bit of an oddball. He's the one that's a little bit different. Um, he still, though, does have... A common theme, yeah. Amongst them. um, his is a little off to left field comparatively. I have to say, um, his is the one that's different. He's he's my outlier. That's a great pick. So we'll go to my next member. Now all I'm going to start this conversation with is he started hating Spider Man when he even wasn't his when he wasn't even his supervillain persona. I'm going with Quentin Beck, Mysterio. Now, I've always been a Mysterio fan. I don't think you even have to do much to convince him to join a Sinister 16 because he's out to set out to take down Peter Park or Spider-Man at this point in time. He just wants to be there. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be the one that's known to take down Spider-Man. 
That's that's how famous it is. There's a reason why he works with J. Jonah Jameson the first time they meet because of that. Because it's the whole thing of now I'm going to take down Spider-Man for you and get this popularity that he had once had. Now I'm going to get, you know, it's a sense of that. And, you know, I'll still admit to this day, the movie version didn't mind it. I thought it was fantastic the way Jake Gyllenhaal played him. That's exactly what Quentin Beck is. He's out for himself. He's not out for anybody else. And that's what's so interesting about him. Now, again, like I said, I don't think Doc Ock's going to have to have do much to convince him to join this team. Mysterio, he hates Spider-Man at this point. He wants that popularity. He's envious. Why not put him on this team? And Mysterio is actually really good where he can be a formidable foe to Spider-Man. Um, some of his powers and abilities are pretty simple. He doesn't really, he's a human. So he doesn't have, it's just kind of like Doc Ock. Some of his abilities and powers are made by him. Um, he is a VX, or VFX artist, um, which is a master of makeup, physical stunt work, mechanical and visual special effects. Um, he's a mechanical engineer. Um, he is a great chemist. Uh, he's a strategist as well. And he's an actor. Um, not only that, um, <laughs> he has psychiatry powers. where He can manipulate people too, along with that. I think when I really think of this team, he's going to be... Doc Ock's right hand man. He's going to be that guy that's going to back Doc Ock up. And he's going to do it. Um, but only that, he's also has a hypnotist. He's a hypnotist. And then his suit. Um, he does wear a suit that contains his personal weaponry that include a one-way acrylic glass helmet, or anybody likes to call it the fishbowl, holographic projectors, gloves, boots, armed with nozzles, and Emmett, or which Emmett, um, uh, gas makes people somewhat kind of hallucinate. So think of like the fear gas, but done a little bit better, I admit, in that case. Um, he developed a gas that can cancel Spider-Man's spider sense. And when he is cloaked in his mist gases, um, he uses sonar to detect objects and beings nearby. This guy knows Spider-Man up and down. More, I'll even say this, more than even, Sp or even more than Doc Ock. This guy has been straight up studying Spider-Man and being like, how can I take this guy down and become famous off it? That's been Mysterio's whole thing since the beginning. I love Mysterio, one of my favorite villains. I've told Mary before we started this podcast, it was him or it was going to be somebody totally different, which we'll get to later on characters that just missed our list. Um, so I'm going to turn it back over to Mary to give off her next member. Um, so this is... Eric Williams. Um, I'm, of course, going with the Grim Reaper. Um, and Brandon's face right now is a little priceless. He looks a little bit like he's in shock. I am. I, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he might not be the strongest or the smartest or the fastest. Or the most durable. But he is extremely sympathetic. Um, Why? <laughs> oh, you don't know his backstory, do you? I, I know somewhat of it, but I never cared about the villain to just go, okay, I'm going to learn about him. Why Grim Reaper over anybody? You'll find out later. You'll find out later. You'll find out later. I'll tell you at the end. If you don't uh, get it, I'll tell you at the end. 
guy. Um, so originally he was purely tech based. He didn't have any superhuman abilities. Um, he then did, however, die and was resurrected through which he gained some mystical powers that allowed him to reanimate the souls and bodies of the dead. Um, he also has performed other magically based feats, um, including without limited to teleporting himself and others, summoning demons, creating illusions, and clairvoyant viewing. Um, creating illusions can be especially damaging to other team members as well as to Peter. Of course, reanimating souls, extremely damaging to Peter. But specifically in regards to the Grim Reaper and Morbius, um, Morbius, when he goes through periods of not feasting on blood, he tends to experience hallucinations. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which can then, given Morbius's not great mental health, this is not a team that is nice to each other. I need to make that clear. Um, they are together for one reason and one reason only, and that is to make Peter Parker's life miserable. Okay, I'll, I'll say my comment. They have a common goal beyond that, but like primarily the team is assembled in order to hurt Peter, in order to distract him to the point where they can, Harry can then achieve the goal. Okay. Um, and we're, I have a whole storyline plotted, like it's up here. <laughs> I think I think like with the Grim Reaper, I think my first introduction to him when he dies, and that's in missions, and I just went, "Who is this?" And then that's fair. And did a little bit of research, and I just went, "And I don't care." This is just <laughs> <laughs> it. Just went. That's that's fair. That's fair. He is not a favorite for a lot of reasons. Um, and he he has the Grim Reaper's scythe. Um, so his right hand has been amputated and has been replaced with this trademark weapon. Um, initially had the ability to allow the blade to spin at a rapid speed, essentially allowing him to use the scythe as like a buzzsaw. Mm -hmm. And also an improvised helicopter on one or two occasions, if I remember correctly. Um, it can also fire energy blasts and gas pellets and dispense electric stun shocks. He later received then an enchanted scythe, which was magically sharp and capable of energy blasts like the original. But that could also drain energy. Um, he also has a jet-equipped platform, which is a little bit like... Um, it's kind of like a hoverboard, basically. Um, he uses it to get around. <laughs> um, he... This is a team where if he talks, I feel... Um, of course, Spider-Man, he's known for being quippy. Um, he gets his villains talking. This is not a team where you should get them talking. No. This is a team where if they start dumping about their backstories, and of course, Spider-Man villains, we know them. They talk about why they're doing things. If they explain what they're doing and why, Peter's going to have a really hard time. I agree with that. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Grim Reaper is the brother of um, Wonder Man, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. Yep, he yeah. is the brother of Wonder Man. Yeah, because I remember him. That's why I said I remember him the bursting in the pages when he's killed in Visions. And then it's like, okay, why is he here? This makes no stinking sense. What's going on? And I was like, who even is this character? And then, but I'm kind of now, I'm kind of curious to see, because now I'm not going to lie, you kind of have thrown me off. So now it's kind of like, <laughs> where are we going with this? 
So now I'm kind of curious to see what your intentions are after this point to kind of go from there. I uh, think my next one might even throw you further for a loop. We're going to see. Okay. So I'm going to start with my next member. Like I said, my list is more known villains where Mary's kind of going off of like she got okay, hit. Well, yeah, Morbius. Hey, my next, my next two are pretty more well-known. Oh. I feel like if you don't know who my next two are, you have not been reading comics. <laughs> but I'm going to see if Mary can guess my next one. Oh boy. Okay. I'll admit. So I'm going to start this off pretty simple for movie fans. He's appeared in two movies played by the same actor. Um, his story's a little convoluted. Um, because he gets his powers from a electrical company accident. And then sometimes name. Um, he actually how he gains his powers is that he agrees to save a co-worker that gets himself in trouble, but only after the co-worker would expressly remark to the electrical company about Dylan's heroism, which would argue, well, well, let me put it this way. This guy gets himself somewhat electrocuted. Max Dillon, right? Max Dillon is going to be Electro. His his story's a little convoluted. That's why I was trying to find a way to say it. And if anybody does not know, this is played by Jamie Foxx in two movies. Amazing Spider-Man number two, which nobody likes. And you have No Way Home, which everybody loves at this point. It was a redemption. Um Max Dillon is such an interesting character. I love his personality. I love his character. You know, again, not a smart individual as much as power. Again, this is why I like Doc Ock so much. Because Doc Ock is probably going to be the brains of this operation with the help of Mysterio. Everybody else is kind of their brute force or just straight up power. And manipulating them to get to take down Peter, I think all these powers will work together with Mysterio's um, gas that he has, Sandman being able to blind people. You have electrical shocks. There's a lot of things that can come out of this. Um, Max Dillon, um, for anybody who does not know who he is, made his first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man number nine all the way back in 1963, created by Stan Lee and Steve Dicka. Um, what was it? How... Pretty much Max Dillon actually gets into a freak lightning storm, um, which hit and caused the lineman in distress to lose his balance and fall to his death. In the process, Max Dillon actually gains superpowers when he is struck by lightning while in contact with power lines still connected to their spool. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't like his costume when he first comes out, so I'm not going with that costume. I kind of like the way they did him in Ultimate, where he, and I know a lot of people didn't like Jamie Foxx's first appearance in the movie, but I kind of, that's some of the electro I kind of like. Not because of Jamie Foxx's performance. That was terrible in that first movie, and I don't blame him either. I blame the writers on that one. But it's a point that I like the design. I like that it's mostly electrical instead of being, oh, he's got these weird lightning bolts coming from his head. And then, oh, it, it, I just don't like that green and yellow costume. I like the black with his electrical spirit in him. Or I'd like what they did in Spectacular Spider-Man where he wears like a containment suit. 
that's what I like. I like that kind of style of him. Now, his powers and abilities, um, they're simple. Um, he has an electro or electrostatic energy generation, um, which grants him lightning bolt projection, electromagnetic propulsion. Um, he has electrical detection, electrocution, recharging. Um, what was it? Yes, fans, he can recharge phones without even realizing. Um, anyway, that's why he's on this team. No, I'm just messing. Um, he has a electrical conversion um, and enhanced physical attributions. He has metal ionization. Um, he has a disruption of wall crawling abilities. Um, he's localized um, electromagnetic storms. Um, he can cause or he has electromagnetic manipulation, immunity to electricity, and charging. Um, some of... This guy can go on and on. I love this character. I think he is one of Spider-Man's foes that somewhat doesn't make sense when you really look at him, but can be very, very detrimental to Peter if done correctly. So something that Peter Parker can't always do that. And with the abilities of Mysterio and Sandman with him, I think would be a great combination. So yeah, Electro is my next pick. I'm going to turn it back over to Mary. So um, I'm going with a character that Brandon almost picked. Mm -hmm. um, and this is Dmitry Smerdyakov. I'm going with Chameleon. Yeah. Um, of course, I think Brandon can sort of see how he's fitting <laughs> with my guys. <laughs> Come on, huh? you don't speak much. He's just quiet. And then you get he to... Is... He's very quiet. He is very quiet. But there's a reason he's very quiet. You can look into more into his backstory. Who is his half brother, Brandon? Raven, the hunter. There are some reasons that he doesn't talk very much that actually have to do with him being Raven's half brother. Now that backstory, I don't know tons about, so I'll admit right now, but. I do know the fact that they're half-brothers, and that's about all I went through Chameleon's backstory with. So. Um, and previously, um, Harry has convinced Chameleon to create robots who would appear to be Peter Parker's dead parents. This is after Harry already knew uh, Spider-Man's identity, but he wanted to mess with Peter's head. He's also... Um, kidnapped and imprisoned Peter and convinced him that he was a writer named Herbert Smith who was incarcerated in the Ravencroft Asylum and that his life as Spider-Man had been a figment of his imagination. Um, Chameleon is terrifying. Um, however, he did get foiled by Mary Jane Watson with a baseball bat, so like, keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> he, he's not mentally well. Um, he he and Peter have a really rough history with each other, just really rough. <laughs> but at the same time, Peter doesn't give up on him. Um, he he is sort of one of those characters. Where you get the sense that if he got real help, he could turn it around. Because he's tried to in the past on a few occasions. 
And I think that kind of haunts Peter a little bit. Is that this man that has done all of these horrible things to him and has gone out of his way to like try to make Peter forget who he is, is also in many ways a man who doesn't know who he is and that's why he takes on so many faces. That's why I said. I I like the chameleon, but I think that's also why I left him off because I don't know tons about his backstory as much as others. I, I love delving into villain backstory. Like, I know a lot about um, but I don't know tons about Chameleon, and that's sad. Yeah. Are related. And that, honestly, that would be how Craven and his father would want you to think. That's a hint, by the way. It's a hint. I want to keep... Okay. <laughs> um, so originally, Chameleon had no superhuman powers. Later, the powers were made innate um, with his epidermis so his organ skin his skin organ and the skin pigmentation were surgically and mutagenetically altered so he can take on the appearance of any person at will he wears fabric made of memory material that responds to nerve impulses and can appear to be whatever costume he wishes to be okay now you got me really thinking he's also taken the same serums that craven had taken over the years um, it's also and this suggests that his physical strength and endurance could be somewhat augmented, but his it's much lower than Craven, so it may not reach a superhuman level. It might just be strong for a guy. Um, at some point, though, he did later return to a powerless state, and then he just kidnapped them and brutally killed them by dumping them in acid baths. Um, and he mimics their voices by listening to them scream and beg. For their lives um he seeks to fix the lives of his faces attempting to rectify the problems of their lives while he poses as them as part of a warped heroic view of himself so creepy <laughs> love him <laughs> i remember i remember when i was first introduced to him it was in the animated series I never knew anything about the chameleon. I knew he was always the Spider-Man's first villain, which I'm glad you put recognition to that too, because a lot of people forget about that. He is the first villain Spider-Man ever goes up against. And it's so interesting to see it. I remember watching him in the animated series and thought, wow, what a creepy dude. And you have people like Smythe and stuff like that in there. And it's like, this dude's way more creepy than anything. Else. So I remember... And his history with other members of the team as well. Of course, he's another character. You really don't want him around Shriek. <laughs> um, him and Morbius around each other could also be a really horrible thing. Um, like in general, like bad bad news. This is this team is bad news. And then in terms of um, equipment, he has, of course, his memory material that I already mentioned, a computer belt. So it's a video scanner that records a person's appearance and feeds that into a visual synthesizer that essentially extrapolates the rest of the person's appearance. So hundreds of images, and he can type in a code that just automatically sends a signal that changes his body and pigmentation. Um, he has knockout darts. Um, he can fire those up to 40 feet away. They contain a potent anesthetic that knocks his victims unconscious for several hours. Knockout gas, aerosol can, effective up to 10 feet away. Victims asleep for 1 to 10 hours. And then smoke bombs to fill a 40-foot radius with an opaque mist. Okay. No. I All right. So we got chameleon. 
Now we got one more member on your end. I got two more members of mine. My next one, I'm going to give hints to Mary again. Let's All see. right. He's made a movie appearance. This character made their first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man number two. He loves to soar through the air. Falcon. Not the, is that the falcon? It's not no, the falcon. It's a vulture. Vulture. It was a bird. <laughs> I'm keeping this in there now at this point. <laughs> no. I it, don't know why. I, did you called it the falcon? I don't know. I There isn't even a hero with that name. I don't know. There, there's falcon is. There is falcon. Sam Wilson. Oh my God. <laughs> it's 11.43 at my PM in my time zone, folks. Right. <laughs> Yes, it is the Vulture, Adrian Toomes. I love Adrian Toomes. This is one of Spider-Man's earliest villains. Um, probably one of the only, like, the earliest villain I have on my list. Um, oh my gosh, you even told me he was on your list. I love Vulture. <laughs> I love my Vulture. Um, it, it was one that originally when I made my team, he wasn't on my team, but then I thought, I was like, I want Vulture on my team. Because, again, another team member. But something that our team lacks is in the air. We don't have that. Yeah, we got Electro who can do things, Sandman who can grow and augment his body. But that's it. You know, I want somebody in the air that can be a threat to Spider-Man. And the fact that he can actually zone in and kind of like hunt his prey even more, I think could throw Spider-Man off at points. You know, um, I love Adrian Toomes. He is one, I don't, don't like what they did with him like oh yeah he sucks the life out of people and he can regenerate and turn himself younger i hated that marvel never do that again please we don't want to see that keep adrian tunes i like him as his older self he's just one of my favorite villains like that um some of his powers and abilities he also has genius intellect but he's also um he has superhuman strength but that's not where his powers derive um he has an electromagnetic wing harness um which pretty much helps propels him through the air. And he also has a wing projectile capability where his feathers are as sharp as swords and can be used as a projectile weapon at Peter. Granted, he might not have a lot of tons of, or he might not have tons of powers, but that does not make him, that does not make him not a formidable foe to somebody like Peter Parker. Um, I love Vulture. I don't think I need to go too much into his backstory a little bit more. But I love the Vulture and where he stands with this team. Um, but somebody else that would fall into place as something that Doc Ock feels that there's missing. And now we're going to go to something interesting. This is the character that has never, can have never been a villain of Spider-Man. Or has never been a member of the Sinister Six. Mary, this is your last member though, too. This Jane is my Fox. last member, yep. You're, who's your last member? My last member is the unstoppable juggernaut. Kane Marco, of course, he has recently been redeemed. Um, read Legion of X, but um he's flip-flopped a lot. <laughs> um, and I, I get it, dude. <laughs> if I was related to Charles Xavier, I would want to hurt people too. <laughs> I can't blame the man. <laughs> um, 
I think I think living in a house with Charles Xavier would drive me to murder. I genuinely believe that. It would be his, but like it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I will go on the record as saying that I do not like Charles Xavier. He is the real villain of X-Men comics, and I will die on that hill. Well, one hey, thing Marco makes a <laughs> one thing before we jump in. Now, granite fans, Juggernaut has been a villain of Spider-Man at one point in time, and it's a story called Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut. He, he's actually been a villain in another situation. And it's this is kind of iffy on if he's been Sinister Six or not. You agreed with me that he was not because it wasn't like a real Sinister Six. It was like this one villain was like, what if I assemble 36 villains and organize them into teams that they didn't pick and make them try to take compete to see who can take down Spider-Man? I was like, that's not a Sinister Six. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a tryout for Sinister Six. <laughs> Yeah, and um, obviously Kane didn't win. No. <laughs> um, he was also like on a team with like other members who were actually Sinister Six. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, and then there was another time where it was like on a different Earth, and it was like imaginary Kane Marco. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the Sinister Sixty. Like that, he's never actually been Sinister Six, but he has been Spider Man villain. <laughs> um and kane he's he's sad he's he's a sad character if you get to know him um but he's also one of those characters that is driven by rage um anger especially at injustice um or what he perceives as injustice um can be a huge motivator for him um and this sort of ties in to more of the plot that i have imagined for my team which i'm going to reveal a little bit to see if brandon can guess the connection um which deals a lot with this team sort of coming to the understanding because of course we know that harry isn't like his father he's not someone who's so much interested in hurting other people for the sake of hurting other people um he sort of hurts them more as like a means to an end he's not as sadistic until it comes to peter Absolutely. he'll torture peter but civilians it's a toss-up yeah. <laughs> um and so but harry especially when he's more in his right mind um, along with someone like Dr. Morbius and with backstories like those of Shriek, Chameleon, Juggernaut, even Harry himself. Um, there is a ton, and I mean a ton, of corruption, mm-hmm. especially in things like social services, um, within and um, also nonprofits that are meant to help communities that are affected by violence within New York City. There is an insane amount of corruption. That means that a lot of these people are not getting help. Right. Um, and of course, who would who would try to defend these institutions that are meant to help? Peter. But the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Peter. if they are attacked. Peter would be the one to do it. Peter's always down for redeeming his, even his most in most villainous foes or most diabolical foes. He's down to help them redeem themselves. Yes, but he, I think too, in with this is 
Peter, as a newspaper photographer, has a unique position where, and this this would be where Harry's knowledge of Peter comes in, extremely handy, um, especially Peter growing up poor in New York City is a huge part of his character. Harry knowing that Peter knows, not Spider-Man, but Peter knows firsthand how many people are not getting helped. The kinds of things that get swept under the rug. The kinds of home situations that are not addressed by the correct authorities. Because of how Peter grew up and where Peter grew up. And then knowing that Spider-Man really has no choice but to defend those institutions against a team who has a personal stake in going after the corrupt nature of these institutions due to their own backstories ties with being overlooked by those who could have helped them. So pretty much you're trying to make it a team where it's going to make Peter realize that what you're trying to do is not always... It's not 100% bad. Yeah. However, but it's, not, it's, it's, it's meant to mess with Peter. Of course, what they're trying to do is not 100% bad. It is, however, driven by their collective rage. Yeah. By the fact that none of them have ever meaningfully had their backstories addressed. None of them have ever really, Morbius more so than some of the others. Juggernaut, we know some about him, especially with the Professor Xavier's being half-brothers. Yeah, Morbius, Chameleon is still kind of, like, we know somewhat of a history of him. Would, would, would you like me to to go through? Go well, right ahead. Now I'm, now I'm interested. I think I kind of got where you're going with this. But now... So, now. <laughs> I, I was so pleased with myself when I thought of this. <laughs> I was so ready. Um... So we're going to start with the Juggernaut because I was on him. Um, so, of course, Half-Brothers with Charles Xavier. Well, a stepbrother, really. Um, as a child, Kane was regularly abused by his alcoholic father, while his stepbrother was treated much better and also exceeded him in pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, he was the scapegoat child. Um, and his own father picked his stepbrother over him consistently for their entire lives. And on top of that, his stepbrother refuses to even grant him the second chance that he'll give to someone who was literally a Nazi and essentially treats Kane as though he's irredeemable and as if he can't make decisions for himself because he's not as smart as Charles. Kane Marco, raised in an extremely rich household, was completely failed by any services that could have protected him. Right? Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Chameleon. You're really um, he... making my brain explode right now because that's why it's interesting to see what you just developed your team as. Um, Chameleon is the half-brother of um, Sergei Kravinov, um, his parents were Sergei's father and a servant girl. Um, from his arrival in the Kravinov family, he was taught to hate himself. 
His father hated the sight of his face and his mother considered him a humiliation. The only member in the family who barely tolerated him was Sergei, who was also abusive towards him. And in order to impress Sergei, he entertained him by using his impersonation skills on his neighbors and his friends. He was so deeply scarred, he repressed his own identity to the point he doesn't know where he is and came to believe he had to be friends with Sergei. Of course, of course, we know Morbius has all of these mental health concerns. Um, we know, too, that even as a doctor, he felt that he didn't have, we know that medicine and a lot of hospitals and insurance companies, they do not take kindly to anyone with a blood disease. They do not take kindly to those with pre-existing conditions, congenital disabilities, disability in general. Um, Medicine itself, the field, is extremely ableist to those within it as well. It is extremely hard to work in medicine with a disability. Um, you're expected to pull 24-hour shifts, regardless of your health condition. Um, not a great situation when you're chronically ill. Um, of course, he then goes to extreme lengths to try to cure himself, only to render himself more sick, but now in a way that is actively deteriorating his mental health. Mental health services are very poor. Um, even when you can afford them, they're extremely expensive. And we know that he is a character who has struggled with suicidal ideation. We know he's a character that has struggled with finding himself and getting any sort of regular, consistent help in order to keep himself sane. Because if he's getting help, he can't feed, which then leads to him having these hallucinations that then increase his suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. He needs help, but he can't get it right. from anyone but himself, which leads to the desperation that we see so often in Morbius comics. And it's also why we see him so often working so hard to sort of earn forgiveness because he knows that until he is taken seriously as a person he's never going to have the opportunity for help he dehumanized himself and in the process he left himself more open to being dehumanized than he was just as a disabled man let's go with eric williams let's take a look at the grim reaper um, he's the brother of Simon Williams, who later became known as Wonder Man. He was always the black sheep of his family. His mother Martha told him he was born bad while idolizing and praising his brother Simon. His father was charged with disciplining him, but was instead abusive and uncaring. He would watch television while Eric was showing severe signs of mental health distress going so far as like torturing the family cat. And at the same time, his mother would sort of show off how loving and attentive she was to Simon, making her other son jealous and bitter. Um, he was constantly made to feel as if he was not cared about, to the point where even his brother would not help keep an eye on him to try to do anything to make him feel cared about. And then it took Eric burning down their house for Simon to be like, maybe I should try to pay some attention to him and be responsible for him. And he really became more of the villain that we know after Simon's Simon took over the family business and Stark Industries, a major corporation in New York City, is causing their family business to go under. And Simon begs Eric and his criminal empire, his mob connections for help. 
Simon was caught in jail. He was then freed, but he was freed by Baron Zemo. And Simon's own better nature won out, which is what caused his death, which forced Eric to have possibly the only moment of guilt in his life because the only person in his family who had ever tried to care about him and had ever act like, acted like he was needed was now dead as a result hmm. of his actions. And that's why he became the Grim Reaper. Yes. Okay. Of course, there's Frances, Shriek, um, heavily abused by her mother um, because she was overweight as a child which drove her to drugs and her fixation on becoming a mother herself. She is not stable. These are all people who at some point, someone should have stepped in. Of course, Harry Osborne, he has a horrible relationship with his father. You got me interested now because I feel like what you just did is not only they're turning- They have that threat. Yeah, they're like- they're not getting the help they need from the public or even like from these resources that Peter is trying to set up for them. And they can't give it to each other. Yeah. And because so what can they do but lash out at the systems that failed them? And not only that, the people that have felt them as well. And even their Yes. And Peter And 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 that that's especially where Harry comes in because Harry is the one who got them all together. He knows what makes Peter tick. Yeah. He more than anyone else. And Harry, of course, he has this horrible relationship with his father. Just, just so bad. But he's also someone who, as I mentioned in um, my honorable mention for my top five Spider-Man comics, um, he has experienced addiction. Mm. Harry also knows what it is like to be failed by the system. Despite all of his privilege and all of his influence and everything that comes with being an Osborne, Harry Osborne has also been failed by the system. He is also someone who struggles so heavily with mental health, which is still so stigmatized. So he can find these people, all of whom Peter has fought before, all of whom Peter knows about. He knows that most of them, with the exception of Chameleon, will talk. And he knows that Peter likes them to talk because if they're talking, they're distracted. But if these particular ones talk, especially about what they're doing and why, it's going to make Peter freeze. Because he has to reconsider what it is he's doing. Absolutely. I think it's a great way to shape Spider-Man better to make him realize it's like not everything's how I know we don't talk about Batman a lot on here because I know Mary's not a big fan. But it's kind of like it kind of harks back to that killing joke comic. And the fact being that is the system really doing him any favors? Or why is he continuing coming out and still causing havoc? And it's a thing of he tries to rehabilitate them and save them, but can he really save everybody? And that's the thing. Or is these systems really helping him or causing him to become worse? That is such a great way to bring that team together. Now, I do have to one more member. So we got one more member on my team quick. Um, 
she just made her first appearance in comics um, back in 2020. Now, she does not become this character till 2020 or 2022. I am going with the Queen Goblin. I, I remember I told Mary this. Juggernaut was on my list of possibilities. I sent it over to one of my buddies because he I know he's a big Spider-Man guy. And I went, hey, you could choose between this and this. Who would it be? And he goes, no, I don't even choose any of them. I choose this character. He says, let me see your other team members. And I showed him and he goes, no, this lady. Because again, another character that we feel Doc Ock can manipulate quickly. And the fact being that if he's helping, if Peter is even helping Norman Osborn at any point, she's going to hate Spider-Man completely. She does not have a good relationship with Norman Osborn. And the fact being that some of her abilities actually comes from the sins of Norman Osborn being bonded forcefully on her. Now, of course, I'm talking about um, her name is Ashley Kafka. Um, I've mentioned her (laughs) Mary has talked about her a lot but she's such an interesting character her design is freaky like and she is probably one of the most lethal members I have on my team she could kill Peter by herself and I think Doc Ock's gonna realize too we need her on our team but how do we get her to do it and manipulating her somewhat to see that maybe she's helping Norman might convince her to realize I'm going after him. Now, some of her powers and abilities, of course, with her being bonded to um, Norman's sins, um, it mutates her grotesquely into a creature. And she dubs herself the Queen Goblin at this point. She is a freaky looking character. Fans, go look her up because trust me, you're one of the only good things to come out of recent runs lately, uh, Spider-Man. Um, her powers, of course, she has, she's a clone. Um, she is a clone of the original Ashley Kafka. Um, she possessed no powers of her own until being forcibly merged with the sins of Norman Osborn, which caused her to develop some powers similar to those he had, well, augmented by the Goblin formula, which grants her superhuman strength, superhuman durability. Um, she has something called the Goblin Gaze. Now, the Goblin Gaze is a psychic attack that enables her to use negative thoughts on her targets against, of her targets against them, choking out their free will in the process. Um, she also has physical transformation. She can transform into human and Queen Goblin form, just like the Ultimate Spider or Spider-Man's um, Green Goblin can change from human to Goblin. Um, and matter generation. Um, while she transforms into the Queen Goblin, Kafka can somehow able to manifest clothing, weapons, and even a Goblin glider. Um, so yeah, in, in some of her weapons and abilities, of course, she has to pumpkin scepter um she has the goblin glider i could not make this team without mentioning one goblin on my team now here's the question like for me i didn't really have a theme i kind of just went off characters that i feel could beat the living crap out of peter if need to be now let's put it this way were there villains that you almost put on your team because like i already stated mine one of them's juggernaut one of them's spider slayer one of them's hobgoblin 
and like I said, one that was left off just because I didn't know tons about him that was the chameleon. Are you aren't you interested in him now? Yeah, now I'm interested. Now I now I kind of you kind of wanted me to get him on my team and say screw everybody else. I'm putting him on my team somehow. Um, I seriously, this is gonna make me forgetting his name even worse because I seriously considered the vulture. <laughs> <laughs> um however as i kept building my team i was there was one thread of connection that everyone had but him yeah. um i was it was vulture or grim reaper um and ultimately i had to go with grim reaper um because it made more sense especially from like the guilt side because if i'm not mistaken vulture is wealthy like he's not off if that makes sense like he's not he's not like most of these characters where they don't have help and stuff he comes from a wealthy family he comes from you know he's a wealthy person that's just out to cause havoc in some ways cause more problems. he just wants to cause problems on purpose from what i remember <laughs> um i also i i realized why i forgot falcon existed it's because i keep thinking of sam wilson as captain america <laughs> <laughs> um and i forgot he had a previous mantle <laughs> my brain i was so caught up on like yeah sam wilson is cap that i forgot he had any other name and let me rephrase the vulture quick his parent it's kind of like batman in some ways where you have him his parents died at a young age but he made a fortune for himself made a name for himself and that's about it and then after that he went down the dark side and became a villain so that's where i guess a good way to put that is with the vulture but okay so you had the vulture were there any other members that you almost had well i got a sticky note hold on a second <laughs> um i did also consider sandman okay um my, my sticky note's not very big <laughs> um once i once i hit green once i hit green goblin shriek morbius and chameleon it was pretty cemented yeah um, once I had those four, it was like, oh, okay, I have to pick Grim Reaper. Sam and I was already kind of like, eh, he's a little, like, I like him. But, like, not, I, I'm not, there are a lot of Sandman stories. I think, I think, like, if you, he fit one side of your story where he's been wronged by the system, but not wronged by anything else. Because it's not so much he didn't have that support, it's like he's trying to support his family. That's what yes. turns into yes the... it's it's not him being personally wronged yes. it's more his frustration with the system in general whereas everyone else has more of a personal stake right in like why did no one notice my suffering that's why did I, I not matter right now this will end this podcast um let us know what members of the sinister six you would have put on your team what's a member that has never been a sinister six member that you would love to have on a team like this would it be juggernaut queen goblin or who would it be let us know um also follow us on facebook instagram and tiktok at comic talkers get all the latest updates that's where you can let us know all this we always view comments trust me we always do we always have fun with this um, you can listen to this podcast anywhere on spotify for podcasters spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts. Uh, Pocket Cast and so many other platforms. Please also subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have some great content for Comic Books 52. Um, we are doing history through comics. We just started a Star Wars segment, Creator Spotlights. There's a lot of things that we do out there. So please go check us out there. 
And as always, my name is Brandon. I'm Mary. May comics always be the top of your discussion. <laughs>